This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. You know what the greatest proofs or evidences that our heart is tuned in to God is when we are simply grateful. (laughs) When we are thankful for everything that God has done. Ravi Zacharias, many of you know him as an apologist, but he actually has an incredible quote on this whole concept of gratitude. And he said this, Gratitude comes from the same root word as freedom. Gratitude is the freeing expression of a free heart toward one who freely gave. I don't know about you, but I got a free heart this morning. Oh, man, I'm grateful. I'm grateful this morning. When we think of this word posture, most of us think about bad posture, your children sitting at the dinner table, you know what I'm saying. Sometimes we think about how we sit or how we stand, and we always think of posture in a physical sense. But if it's okay this morning, I want to I introduce you to the second definition from the dictionary that takes a completely different approach to the concept of posture, and this is where I want to land today. Posture is defined as a particular way of dealing with or considering something, an approach or an attitude. So when we're talking about the posture of humility this morning, it's not just about a way of standing, although the way you stand is influenced by the posture of your heart. How many of you have ever had a conversation with someone and uh, they don't like you very much. And the posture towards you isn't too good. Right? But what we're talking about this morning is the posture of the heart. A particular way of dealing with something or an approach or an attitude of something. St. Augustine said this about building a foundation of humility. He said this, if you plan to build a tall house of virtues, you must first lay the deep foundation of humility. It's the first and foremost. It is of essence and uh, it is absolutely essential to us. So let's just start this morning with the definition of humility so that we can kind of just land on the same point and then spring off from here. It literally means the quality or state of not thinking you're better than other people. A modest view of one's own importance. Seeing yourself with the right perspective. Lowliness of heart, not arrogant or boastful, ready to serve, teachable. Teachable. One of my favorite characteristics. Someone who is teachable. Amen? C.S. Lewis, in great kind of his thought and the way he kind of processed through ideas, he wanted to give greater clarity to this whole concept of humility because he'd seen it so misused and so misunderstood for so many years. And he said this. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. I've seen some people that think less of themselves, and they call that humility. No, that's false humility. That isn't true humility. That's putting down what God has created. So in essence, we're slapping God in the face. But humility is thinking of yourself in every situation less. It's not about you. I've learned in my life that humility comes in one of two ways. 
First way is that we eat humble pie. It's when God adjusts our attitude. How many love those moments? Come on, can I get an amen? All right. This first one is when God adjusts our attitude. The second one is what I'm going to call when we shop at God's clothing store. It's when we choose our attitude. I love Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 or 12. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. To clothe yourselves, if I can come back to our thought today, it's about posture. It's about posture. You're clothing yourselves with something. Humility is the correct posture that we would take before God, before this great benefactor that has given great benefits like we talked about last week. That's the posture or the attitude or the approach that we take with God. God then requires us to represent that posture to broken humanity. What do we do with that? How can we go from the throne room and posture ourselves in humility before God and then get to humanity and struggle with it? I'll be honest with you, I have my days too. There's days I struggle. And there's days that God's got to remind me, what's my posture? What's my posture? Sometimes I get that, and I actually put on humility. Other times I eat humble pie. Do you know what I'm saying? We never like humble pie, but it's oftentimes God's way of getting our attention. I want to say this. It's not about being humble to a person when you're dealing with people. It's about being humble to God. And out of that spirit, our posture takes precedence in relationships. Amen? That humility leads us to gratitude. I found this quote. I I wish I could give credit to who wrote this, but I could not find the author anywhere, but I love the quote. It says this, Humility seeds, feeds, and grows gratitude. Without a core of humility, gratitude will always be superficial. I'm going to read it again. It says, humility seeds, feeds, and grows gratitude. Without a core of humility, gratitude will always be superficial. Or as author Daniel Langford once said, humility plus gratitude equals God. Hmm. Period. End of story. It just absolutely, beautifully puts it into perspective. I don't know about you guys, but every family has their own unique traditions and their own unique things that you do. And for us, Friday nights typically are family movie night. So don't judge the food we eat, but my, uh, Sandra knows exactly what I need to be on the table beside me. My ruffle sour cream and onion chips. <laughs> as long as that's there, it's going to be a great night. And if she gets that cheap, cheap knockoff imitation, the father in the house is not happy. And his posture is not very happy. But I want to just uh, get, let you in on a little bit of the secrets of the family movie night at the Jeff's home. Sandra often sits right in the middle of the big comfy couch. And when she starts, she's sitting there. And, and she's, she always starts by sitting up right in the middle of the couch. And it doesn't take very long before Sandra starts to get cold. For those that know her, she gets cold anywhere, everywhere, and all the time. 
And so what starts as one blanket turns into two, sometimes three, with three children on top, with big, these big hairy socks that are up over her pants, and she's curled up into a little ball, and she's just watching this movie with all the kids around her, and curled up in these blankets, wrapped up into uh, these, this awesome little family movie night, uh, Jeff's family tradition, where mommy ends up cuddled up every single time. Humility is about being wrapped up in God. Pride is about being wrapped up in self. I want you to know today that no matter what you do, you wrap yourself up into something. It's true. You do. You say, well, I don't know about that. I mean, trust me, you do. Now, it depends on what you put on. God asks us to clothe ourselves with humility. That's what he wants us to put on. But sometimes we wrap ourselves in other things. So what I want you to have the courage this morning is to somehow supernaturally skip step one and don't eat humble pie. And go to God's clothing store. Pick out something so awesome called humility and put it on. Wear it. Let's, let people see the posture of your heart by what you choose to wear. Amen? Amen. How many know that you can tell a lot about a person by what they wear? Some of you are smiling because you know the person sitting beside you is that person. Anyhow, okay. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses, uh, the second part of verse 5, it says this, Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Interesting here that God's posture towards pride and humility is on display. Towards pride, he opposes it. He's in opposition as his posture to pride. It's actually the very thing that brought Satan down. The five I wills of Satan before he was cast out of heaven. I will ascend to the throne of God. I will be like the Most High God. Well, that didn't work. God was opposed, not just theologically, but in every single way, especially morally, to the concept of pride. But it says here that his posture towards humility is favor. Now, the moment you hear the word favor, if, depending on where you're at in your walk with God, or depending on your church experiences, or where you've come from, or some of the people that you've chosen to hang around in your Christian journey, the definition of favor can be a multitude of things. For some people, that maybe that means prosperity. For some people, that means healing. For some people, that means restoration of relationships. For some people, that means peace. How many want that? Come on. For some people, they just want peace, and that's the favor of God that they're asking for. For some of you, you've been so broken with so many things for so long, the only thing you want in your life is to feel, even just for one second, the joy of the Lord. And for you, joy is that blanket. Joy is that favor of God. But I want you to know this morning, each of you has a specific thing that you need favor from God. And it's going to be different for everyone in this room. But what I want you to do this morning is to take the posture of humility before God. Say, God, I need you. God, I need you. Because in that posturing, comes the favor of God for that very area of your life that you desperately need Him in. 
right now. Amen? Amen. Look at the progression of the Apostle Paul's posture. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, for those that love their Bible and are into all this stuff, it was actually written, they believe, somewhere between 56 and 58 A.D. I'm going to call it 57 A.D., but it's somewhere between 56 and 58 A.D. And he said this, For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. If there was anybody in the New Testament that had the right to be wrapped up in himself and to think of himself more highly than he should have, it would have been Paul. He wrote almost the whole New Testament. All of the missionary journeys that are attributed to to the expanse of the gospel and the spreading of the gospel is attributed, for the most part, either to Paul directly or to those he won to Christ. I think he knows what he's talking about. But his posture before those that he was leading was, I am the least of the apostles because I persecuted the church of the living God. In other words, he said, God, I humble myself because I know what I'm... I know that if I let me come out too much, it's not pretty. So God, it's only by your grace and it is only by your favor that I can be here today. Amen? This is the statement of a man who is indebted to a great benefactor. He's indebted. He's not entitled. He's indebted. Massive, massive difference. He recognizes God's goodness. Five years later, 62 A.D., to the church at Ephesus, he writes, in chapter 3, verse 8, he says, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace, another word for grace is favor, was given me, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. When we understand the unsearchable riches of Christ, our posture is humility. Our posture is gratitude. Our posture is thankfulness. It's the only option. Paul's response five years later was a recognition of God's grace. I'm going to talk at length about the grace of God next week. So come back. But grace literally means unmerited or undeserved favor. How many of you have ever been pulled over by a police officer? You know, you know that you know that you know that you are way over the speed limit. And they look at you, and they question you, and they try to intimidate you, and they try to get you nervous. And then just before they're done interrogating you, they go, just don't do that again, all right? Okay, yes, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yes. And they walk away and let you go. That's favor. Do you want to know when it happened for Sandra? Stop it. Stop. The day before our wedding. True story. The this day is true. before our wedding. And yes. she was speeding to get all of these appointments done to make sure everything was done. And, uh, and then when she was pulled over, she went full beast mode into, Hello, I am from Sweden. I don't know what I'm doing. I thought the, 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 you know, I thought the rate here was 120 kilometers in the city. I'm sorry. And she flashed her pretty blue eyes, and she put on that big Swedish smile, and the police officer went, 
well, I hope your wedding goes well, uh, well tomorrow, honey, and see you. Have a nice day. And she's like, oh, you know, and that's exactly what happened. She got something she didn't deserve. But God blessed her. God favored her. I feel like some of you this morning are just, your heart's cry is, God, I cannot take one more day of just this is how it's always going to be. God, I need your favor. The one thing I've learned in my life is that when those days continuously happen, the only thing that happens as a default is we try to figure everything else on our own. God, yeah, I'll call you when, you know, whatever. But I've got this, God. God is saying, posture yourself in humility. Remember 1 Peter 5, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives favor or shows favor to the humble. So then what does true humility look like? Well, I'm going to go to Paul because I think a guy like Paul, as we've just seen, understanding this place of humility, I think a guy like Paul is going to get it. I think he gets it in ways that, that probably most people don't. But in the writings to the church of Philippi in chapter 2, he presents four attitudes to the church in Philippi about this process or principle of humility. He talks about two negatives to avoid and two positives uh, to follow. And I'm going to read it here this morning. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, it says this. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. I just want to mention these four things very briefly so that you have them. Number one, verse three, don't be selfish. So that's kind of hardcore. NIV says this, don't uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition. In other words, do a motive check. Check your heart to see where your motives are. I love the amplified version of this. It says, do nothing from factional motives. Factional means characterized by dissent. In other words, it doesn't matter what anyone says, you're just going to dissent. Sounds kind of like politics today. Everywhere. It's amazing how a liberal can come up with a great idea, but the conservatives are just like, nope. And it's amazing how a conservative can come up with a great idea, but the liberals go, nope. It's amazing how a Democrat can come up with a great idea, and the Republicans go, nope. And vice versa. And the only reason they're dissenting is because they're factional. Another word for it is they're partisan. Think about this in conversations that you have with other believers. Think about this in conversations you have even with God. How many have ever had God come to you, share a thought, and you dissent before you even hear the, finish the sentence? Well, no. That's, no. Can I please finish? And so what it's talking about here is to get rid of your partisan theology when you're dealing with your walk with God. Yeah, it's good. We good? All right. Are we wrapped up in our own thoughts and our own theology? Are we wrapped up in God's? It's a really simple thing. Uh, number two, verse three again. Don't try to impress others. Anna V says, "Do nothing out of vain conceit," which means excessive pride in yourself. Don't be self-centered. Are we wrapped up again in self or are we wrapped up in God? Pretty straightforward. Number three, thinking of others as better than yourselves. I remember, I'm pretty sure it was you, Pastor Ray, that did a series on precious years ago. 
we did together, but you did, you did a, one or two of them. And I remember the, the definition that Pastor Ray used. I'm pretty sure it was her anyway. And she used this definition of precious, uh, this definition, it was this, of inestimable worth. Costly. Can you imagine what we would do if every single person in our lives, and I know this is hard for all of us because we all have our, our struggle points with certain people, but if we saw the value and the worth of each person as we came and talked to them, God wants us to see them as precious. Verse 4 and point 4, take an interest in others too. Don't look out for your own interests. Move from self to others. Interestingly enough, this passage here in Philippians chapter 2 didn't end there. The chapter didn't end there. It goes on in verse 5 and it talks about Jesus' representation of this posture of humility. I want you to listen to this. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience. There's the posture of obedience, the posture of humility to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him. God favored him. God graced him. Amen? God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. It's amazing how when in God's equation for favor, you have to lower yourself for him, for, for him to lift you up. <laughs> totally opposite of what culture tells us to do. He gave him the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Remember the definition of posture. I'm just going to throw it up on the screen there so you guys see it. A particular way of dealing with or considering something, an attitude or an approach. Humility is an attitude of service. It measures everything by what it does for others. That's how it measures itself. That's how it evaluates itself. That's how it holds itself accountable every single day. What am I doing for others? Humility wants God to get all the glory. So it's that simple. Humility recognizes that we all have a gift from God, the great benefactor. That is what humility teaches us. I'd read this, um, and I thought it was very, very interesting. In centuries-old African tribal culture, um, the way that a person would show their gratitude to another individual for something that was done towards them or for them is that person would take time out of their work day, in that sense, and go to their hut, and they would lower themselves and sit on the ground quietly in front of their hut. And it was their way of literally saying, I sit on the ground before you. I humble myself before you in gratitude for who you are and for what you've done. A lot of those tribal cultures, they did everything literally so that there was a physical evidence or a physical sign of what was going on in their heart. So if they were feeling grateful, they would lower themselves. And this is the same thing that God wants us to do in our lives. Humility is a matter of of posture. 
I want to end with a story today. I'm going to read it to you. I don't have it memorized, so I'm just going to read it word for word here. But I think it's awesome. His name is Bill. He has wild hair. He wears a T-shirt with holes in it, jeans, and no shoes. This was literally his wardrobe for his entire four years of university and college. He's kind of esoteric and very, very bright. He became a Christian while attending college. Across the street from the campus is a church, the members of which are well-dressed and very conservative. They want to develop a ministry to the students but are not sure how to go about it. One day, Bill decides to visit that church. He walks in wearing his jeans, his T-shirt, his wild hair, no shoes, and starts down the center aisle looking for a place to sit. The The church is completely packed, and he can't find a seat. The members look a bit uncomfortable, but no one says anything. Bill gets closer and closer to the front of the church. And when he realizes that there are no seats left, he sits down on the carpet in front of the pastor. By now, the members are really uptight. Tension fills the air. Then from the back of the church, a deacon slowly makes his way toward Bill. Now in his 80s, the deacon has silver gray hair, a three-piece suit, and a pocket watch. He's a godly man, very elegant, very dignified, very courtly. He walks with a cane, and as he heads towards Bill, at the member, uh, all the members are, of the church are saying to themselves, well, you can't blame him for what he's going to do. How can you expect a man of his age and background to understand a college kid sitting at the front of the church on the floor? It takes a long time for the old man to get down the aisle. All eyes are focused on him. The church is utterly silent. The minister can't even begin preaching until the deacon does what he has to do. And when he reaches the front, the congregation watches as he with great difficulty lowers himself and sits down next to Bill so that Bill won't be alone. When the minister gains control of himself, he says this, what I'm about to preach today, you will never remember. But what you've just seen, you will never forget. Humility is a matter of posture. Can we get lower and lift someone up? Gratitude is the overflow of somebody who has postured themselves for humility. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.